Hi, this is Amrita Sukumar and I am bringing to you this podcast called Unsettling. Look around you. Everyone is trying to create their own story. Make a tiny change in someone's life by just following their passion and in turn inspiring the others to follow suit. This podcast brings to you stories of people who have defied the definition of settled set by the society and have created their own. They have found happiness in their version of settled. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Unsettling. Today I'm talking to one of my dearest and closest friends who is doing a lot of things at once, just like me. And I think he is the epitome of unsettling. So I decided to call him on the podcast. Uh, hi, Piyush. Hi, Amrita. Hello, everyone who are listening to this podcast. And uh, Amrita obviously has given such a great introduction of me. I hope I do justice to that through the episode. Yes, but now you have to introduce yourself. I just gave a short brief introduction and I think people would like to know more about you. What? But I thought that's the job of the host. I thought you'll be doing that. Oh, I did. I did. I gave a short introduction, right? But what are you doing right now? What are you pursuing? That is something that the audience would like to know. Okay, absolutely. So as Amrita said, I mean, I am in the phase of unsettling, as she would like to put it. Um, I don't know if that's the phase that will be all through my life. And uh, it's definitely a phase that I don't mind right now. So there's nothing wrong about being unsettled. There's nothing wrong about, I think, um, being in a place where you're still exploring. So I'm from Bangalore and um, over the last two years, um, since I quit my IT job, I have been experimenting with a lot of things. Uh, along with my job, I used to pursue theater. So I have my theater group in Bangalore called Tahato. And along with my IT job, I was going ahead and exploring plays, performing in front of public and having the time of my life. But the fact was that, you know, there was only so much time I was able to spend with them until the day came when I was ready to take the leap and jump into it. And over the last two years, it's been a rickety, rockety, crazy journey, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yes, yes, I know. I have heard a lot about your journey. But uh, what factors you know, propagated you to quit your job and, you know, pursue this full time? I wouldn't be able to point or put a finger on one thing. I think um, there was a lot of internal, you know, arguments going on all the time that, you know, why am Mm. I doing something uh, that I am good at that is paying my bills, but I'm not really enjoying it that much, right? Uh, I come from a family background where Mm. the whole idea of enjoying your work is very alien, right? The, their concept is that it's work that is supposed to be done. It pays your bills and that's great. So keep growing in that. Your enjoyment is everything that you do apart from work. That is go out in the evening, have fun, meet friends and everything, right? So for my family yes. also, it was quite an alien concept of, you know, how can you be doing something which you enjoy? Um, so it took me a while to sort of win over that argument with myself and say that, you know, yeah, while I've been doing something that I really enjoy in parallel, I want to figure out a way that I can spend more time on it. And I think creative Mm -hmm. field was always felt like a calling. Um, And I think a time came when uh, everything fell in place or whether not fell in place. 
you know, uh, from a job perspective, things were not going that great. Um, there was always a looming fear of getting um, off the job with a pink slip and things like that. At the same time, I think mm-hmm. personally, I was in a place where I had taken care of a lot of my responsibilities from a money perspective. So I think there, there was a point when I, I couldn't uh, give myself any reasons of why I'm not making the jump. Uh, and uh, when that happened, I just had to. Uh, yes, but whenever you when you took the leap, you told me that you had everything in place. You had sources of pa- passive income already in place. So... Can you elaborate on that? What were your sources of passive income that you had already worked oh, upon? Yes, yes. I don't think I don't think anybody should take a leave without having some sort of plan. I mean, yeah, the plan doesn't mm-hmm. have to be very clear of knowing what you are going to do after you take the leave, but at least know that you know how things will play out. So uh, knowing that you know I won't have a well-paying job after I quit. Um, and I will still have bills to take care of. There was a lot of things that I had to put in place. So like you mentioned, passive income sources. So, you know, I was also running a blog um, around Mm -hmm. that time, which used to provide information to people on different programs around uh, different government programs like Aadhaar and, you know, um, and also information around airports and things like that. So basically general information that was not easy to find, but all collated in one and that blog was generating some revenue. So I knew that, you know, even after quitting, I will have this as a revenue source that's coming in. And because my Mm -hmm. theater group was already active, although it was not high on the revenue side, I knew that 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 is one area where I'll be spending more time. So I had a plan of how I will be generating more money from it. So I think that what I did, Amrita, was I had a safety net of about six months that, you know, I calculated mm-hmm. how much money I'll need to survive without all the Asho Aram, but a good, general, nice life. What would that cost me? And I had that money put out for at least six months, knowing that, okay, in that six months, I'll figure out something on uh, how I'll continue post that. Okay, great, great. So you told us that you had been doing theater since a very long time. So can you tell a little bit about Tahato? How did the journey begin? And from where do you get inspiration to write such amazing plays, which I have watched <laughs> myself. And I yeah. think if anyone is there in Bangalore and has not watched the Hato perform, please do, please go. Like, Yeah, I think Amrita is also a very kind audience. She has been part of a lot of our shows. She has even come and helped us out in backstage. So, so yeah, so that way, you know, Amrita has been amazing. <laughs> uh, and we miss that audience because you moved to Pune now. Uh, but, yes. but I'm going back to... I miss uh, watching your plays. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I miss watching Tahato on stage. I remember watching, remember, remember twice or thrice. And I have watched a funny thing called Life also twice. Yeah. And those are some of our favorite productions. We are currently working on new plays uh, that we are super excited about. So while these plays have been put on a stop for the time being, we are working on two new productions. So that's something that's been uh, going on in Tahato. But just going back in the history, how it all started. So theater is something that I have been always very close to and very excited. So even in school, I had my own theater thing going on. I would uh, create plays, write plays and, you know, uh, get some buddies together and we'll perform on different events, whether it's annual day or something. In college, I created a theater group of my own. So we would go to a lot of inter-college competitions and win those competitions and perform in our colleges. So theater was always something that was sort of part of my life. And I knew somewhere that I don't want to let it go. So after I moved to Bangalore, uh, I was sort of 
craving for theater. I was sort of in a place where I wanted to do more theater and I couldn't figure out how I can get started with the groups that were already existing. So I ended up going to a workshop and that's where I met a lot of like-minded people who were equally excited about theater. And we just out of the blue said that let's do a play together. So not knowing that, you know, it will be a journey that will take us this far and we will be, you know, doing it for the next 11 years. We just completed 11 years last month. So, uh, so back then it was just about key. We have to, we want to do a play. All of us love theater. Let's just put up a play together. And that's how it started. And I think that's how the most of the best things start, you know, uh, when you are not thinking of money, you're not thinking of whether it will happen or not. You just find the right minds together and take the risk, just go for it just because you want to do it. Yes. Great. I'm really glad that you started Tahato because a thing of beauty is joy forever. And I feel that your plays that you have created till date are create joy in the minds of all the people out there. And it's a wonderful initiative. I'm a big fan. I still am a big, big fan, even though I'm in Pune. <laughs> so I'm, I'm never going to stop promoting Tahato ever. And I'm glad. Please don't. We need you. <laughs> so I have Amazing. sent a few of my friends, by the way. Yes, <laughs> you have. And we are, we are over thankful. And now that so many people are listening to this episode, I hope they will listen to you and come and watch the yes. next performance whenever they are in Bangalore. Yes. I hope so too. So uh, you told that you you met your group via a theater workshop, but you yourself conduct a lot of theater workshops. Right. Uh, what right. are the activities that you conduct in those, you know, workshops? Um, so we have different theater workshops, which range from a two-day workshop to a three-weekend workshop. Some are around performance, mm-hmm. acting, something is around script writing. So as Tahato, I think we end up offering a lot of these workshops because we realize that while uh, we did come out of a workshop, we did not have enough of a hand holding through the process of uh, creating these plays. So we learned a lot of things on the job by making a lot of mistakes. So our workshops okay. have been designed, keeping in mind of how we can be a catalyst and sort of help people not make those mistakes and save those first couple of years where, you know, we were struggling through everything. So we have been able to create sort of a ecosystem around our workshops where we help everybody who becomes part of a workshop to start their own group or uh, go and audition for other groups and start, you know, their journey in theater. Um, I think mm-hmm. activities listing out will be difficult just because the range is uh, so much. But the overall, yes. the core goal is that we want to introduce more and more people to theater and, you know, have mm-hmm. them start the journey of expressing themselves freely on stage in front of a gazillion people. I think that's what we want okay. to do. Understand the beauty that theater has and then go ahead and uh, explore themselves through that. Uh, so, um, yeah. So you also said that you have been um, doing podcasts as well. So where did you get the inspiration for your podcast? So podcasting is something that um, started, um, you know, about three years back. So I've been listening to a podcast for quite a while now. I think, um, like you said, talked about passive income and everything. A lot of the things that I ended up doing to generate passive income were things that I learned from uh, amazing podcasters from US. And uh, so I've been a fan of podcasts right from the inception of when Apple actually started with the idea of podcasting. And I've been listening Mm -hmm. to podcasts as long as the last eight years to nine years. Um, But three years back is when I sort of uh, was in a place where I realized that I am not 
consuming a lot of content in Hindi. Um, and um, although it's not a language affiliation, anything, it's just that as a child, I used to love uh, reading Hindi stories, listening to Hindi poems, and, you know, even writing Hindi poetry of my own. So over the time, over the last 10, 15 years of staying in Bangalore and doing theater in English, and also most of the people around in my corporate life talking to them in Hindi, uh, talking to them in English, I realized that I have not been consuming a lot of content in a language that I used to love. And because of that, mm-hmm. I have not been following up on who are the new writers that are coming up, what kind of stories are there around. So everything around me was in English. So it just struck me that mm. because of that, I, uh, it, it's something that I really want to do. I want to be able to consume more in Hindi and also notice that people around me are also not consuming as much. So maybe provide them an avenue where they will. So it just started out as an experiment where I wanted to read more stories. And as part of uh, reading them out aloud, because I'm a performer, I'm an actor, I wanted to dramatize them for other people. So I just started a Mm -hmm. podcast on a whim saying that, you know, let me start this podcast called Kahani Jani and Jani, where I will explore different stories in Hindi from writers who have been part of my history and writers who are from today who have not been heard or who are not that known. And I'll find those, Mm -hmm. you know, gems of stories and then read them out for the listeners. And it started on that idea and it's just been going on from there with a lot of people discovering the podcast and loving it because, you know, it just takes them back the memory lane and, you know, lets them connect back to stories that they used to enjoy. Okay. So did you uh, build an audience base for your podcast or just people just kept discovering it? A lot of it happened through organic um, search, I would say. So a lot of people discovered Mm -hmm. the podcast because obviously there were very limited, the very few podcasts who were catering to audience who were looking for Hindi stories. So I would say that a lot of audience that I kind of developed and have been listening to the podcast on a regular basis have found the podcast through friends, through their own searches and things like that. But on the side, along with doing that, I have also been um, trying to promote the podcast on various channels. I've been trying to talk to people uh, who have other podcasts to f- figure out collaborations. I've been trying to promote the podcast episodes whenever a new one launches on social media. So there's some work that I have also been doing to make sure that you know more and more people discover the podcast. Um, even mm-hmm. something as simple as making sure that the podcast is available on any and every uh, podcast service across yeah. the world, right? Uh, because uh, people mm-hmm. are discovering podcasts through iTunes, through Google Podcasts, through Stitcher. And you need to be on each of this platform to make sure that your podcast get discovered. Correct. Agreed. Uh, so since now even I am doing podcast, I have some questions related to those. Um, I want to know what equipment did you use initially and what do you use now? I'm still on my phone recording. So. <laughs> and that's that's a great thing. So I, so I mean, over the last three years of me doing podcasting, I realize you know I love this medium. I think audio is one of the best mediums of telling stories and connecting. And you know, even you and me having this conversation and having you know so many people listen to it is great just because of podcasting. And uh, I always tell this to people when I am telling them how they can start their podcast is that the equipment is just a tool. Uh, it will definitely help you, um, uh, you know, uh, in generating better audio quality and things, uh, you know, and improve your overall quality of audio. But what is still prime is the conversation you're having, right? 
So the fact yes. that you're still recording on phones and that's fine is because nobody is listening to this because this podcast sounds technically great, right? They're listening to it because they love to hear the stories that you're bringing forward, right? Same thing that Correct. goes for a photographer. I mean, the camera having a super hi-fi, you know, very expensive camera with a great lens is amazing, right? It's a great luxury to have, but that's not what makes somebody a photographer. A photographer is somebody who can see the right frames, who can, you know, yes. imagine things and then actually click photographs that people can see um, mm-hmm. and understand what his imagination was around. So, so yeah, I, I know I'm trying to dodge your question here. But I just wanted to put the point out that while I, I will share my equipment details, but at the same time, the equipment is just something that you can keep upgrading and improving on as you go. I think what matters is mm-hmm. uh, for you to get started on something. So uh, yes. using your own phone and your earphones to record is, uh, is great to start with. In fact, that's how I started my first podcast. My first recording was using the same medium. However, uh, I mm-hmm. think I am a little bit more, uh, be, me being a techie, I'm a little bit more itchy about these things. So, uh, and uh, you know, you over-engineer things uh, when you are technical. So I ended up re-recording the episode just because I wasn't very happy with how the output was. Not realizing at that point of time that, you know, I should have looked for a quieter room. I should have looked for spaces rather than going after equipment. So I did end Mm -hmm. up re-recording my episode and have been using the Blue Yeti mic uh, for doing those Mm -hmm. recordings. Um, I had those, I, I had already purchased the mic for my own, uh, audio experiment. So it wasn't something that yeah. I had to go out there and invest, but it was a yeah. mic that is great for podcasting even today, uh, because it is a USB mic and it is, you know, although it's heavy to carry around, but it is great for quite sensitive. It's great for capturing multiple conversations in a room and things like that. So that was my okay. companion for a long time. Uh, however, recently mm-hmm. I changed my equipment. I have upgraded myself to a different mic. Uh, I have gone for more of from a USB mic to more of a dynamic setup. So I'm using an ATR 2020 today uh, with a preamp, which is sort of a setup mm-hmm. what you will find in a studio kind of an environment. Wow, great. Uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to find this on Google. So this is gold. I'm, <laughs> if if ever I get some kind of a funding, I will definitely invest in this. No, um, on funding, but this is the best part. When I say upgrade, yeah. I don't mean in terms uh-huh. of costing because I was looking for something that is very budget friendly, but at the same time, the quality was better. So the nope. ATR 2020 mic is actually one of the most reasonable mics available on the market, um, okay. which is great on sound quality. Great. I'll check that out. Then. So it won't break your <laughs> bank balance. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> My non-existent bank balance will not cry. So I also want to know, uh, mm-hmm. which editing software do you use for podcasting? Um, I, I still use whatever I, you started using with, uh, started using mm-hmm. from day one. I use audacity, which is an open source uh, platform and it's a very easy to mm-hmm. use recording software. So I still very much use that. I have experimented with some other platforms like, uh, you know, GarageBand and uh, Adobe Audition and, you know, yeah. um, you know, even Sony Vegas and things like that. 
but I uh, mm-hmm. or even more advanced sort platforms like Cubase and all. I've experimented with them, but sort of mm-hmm. I always fall back on Audacity just because of how simple and easy it is to. It's easy, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think those platforms, yeah, those platforms, the other ones are great because they do provide you a lot more flexibility and functionality. But for a podcaster, mm-hmm. um, with which we have very limited requirements from a perspective audio editing. So an audacity Correct. is able to fulfill all of those. Plus it's free. Great. Yes, yes, yes. It's, yeah, that's the best part. That is why I have it too. <laughs> Okay. I wanted to ask you, you said in the beginning that you do voiceovers as well. So how did that start? Very interesting. Yeah. So voiceovers is something that, that I always knew that I wanted to do just because I was uh, acting and I was already, you know, performing on stage. Uh, But it was something that I did not get started until, um, you know, um, I quit my job. Because I saw voiceovers as a way to generate, um, you know, some income for me while, um, while at the same time uh, uh, be part of the creative field, right? So I felt that, you know, it's mm-hmm. an area where I would like to do because it's something that I love, uh, that is performing for people. And I felt that, you know, voice acting was a skill that I was uh, very, very interested in exploring. And so I just started uh, after I quit my job and I, I was looking at, uh, you know, other uh, revenue sources. I just started exploring voiceovers. I started sending my samples to every other studio that I will come across. I also started looking up for jobs online on various freelancing platforms. And in that process, I was at the same time experimenting with my voice. I was already recording podcasts. So there was an opportunity to try different things out. So I, I just felt that voiceovers and podcast went very well together and it provided me the flexibility to be doing something that I really like and also, you know, make some money uh, while doing it. But fair warning for everybody. I mean, voiceovers, like most creative jobs, is not an easy one, um, both from a perspective of getting started on it. I mean, I, I remember for the first six months, I did not crack a single uh, voiceover uh, project so I was almost losing mm-hmm. hope of saying that you know this won't work out nobody's calling me nobody's giving me an audition nobody's <laughs> trying to get me on project what kind of a revenue source I'm creating when I'm not even getting work so it was very frustrating for the first six months uh, but you need to yeah. keep going back to the studios you need to keep talking to them you need to see and you need to hope that you know when uh, it, it works out and at the same time even so I have done in voiceovers, I have done audiobooks for Audible, uh, which are like 22 mm. hour, 23 hour audio, long audiobooks. And it took me almost oh three, three and a half weeks to complete the recording. So even, uh, even physically, it's a lot more work um, yes. when you think about voiceovers. It's not just about you saying and saying a line. There's a lot more work goes into uh, making sure that the voice is sounding right, that you get the tone. And you have to put in the number of hours physically by sitting in a studio, uh, in a chair, continue reading in a mic, make sure you keep <laughs> the voice, the energy up. So, uh, so yeah, so that's the other thing that I realized that, you know, when you hear a voice um, over job or when you hear a voice uh, based audiobook, you should also mm. think that, you know, you shouldn't think that it's a very easy task. It, it's something that requires a lot of training, a lot of work on the artist side. 
to get that product uh, to people. It's not as simple mm-hmm. as just sitting in front of a mic and start reading. Yes, and it also helps that you have a great voice. So that <laughs> is one plus. Yeah. <laughs> although, although okay. I need to say this yeah. as well because a lot of people when they come to me with uh, with podcasting uh, ideas, the first thing that they say or the thing that they have on their mind is, "Oh, but my voice does not sound that great." I don't think I will. Mm. People will want to listen to my voice, right? I think that's quite yeah. a myth. I think everybody has a fabulous voice, has a very unique mm. voice, and there's no way that somebody would not be willing to listen to your voice if you have uh, things to tell, stories to tell that they would, yes, uh, they would be interested in, right? So I don't. I think voice again, just a tool. And the quality mm-hmm. of voice, how you're using your voice, is something that you can improve over time if you really care about it, uh, with a lot of mm-hmm. practice. Uh, but at the same time, every single voice is voice is really beautiful and unique to listen to. Agreed. I completely agree. As long as the content is great, it doesn't matter. And uh, as you said, there are a lot of exercises that you can do, uh, voice exercises and breathing exercises to make sure that you throw your voice out there. And yeah. uh, it is audible and articulated well. So it it is all practice. I completely agree. Uh, and uh, uh, yes, theater helps a lot because well, you learn absolutely. a lot of things there. So so if 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 anybody tells me I have a great voice, I generally end up saying, yeah, I have a great voice that has been trained over the years through multiple theater yes. productions and all. Um, so it's a lot of work that's gone into make the voice sounds like the sound like the way it is. Wasn't born with it. Correct. Correct. I completely agree. So do you have any tips out there for people who are unsettled and are follow the, following their passion right now? Oh, wow. So I think the main tip and which is, <laughs> which is there for everyone is that, you know, don't be scared of being in that unsettling place. I know it's easier mm-hmm. said than done. Um, you should have definitely figured out a plan on how you want to take the leap and what would the next six months look like. You should definitely have some great positive um, uh, sources, positive um, uh, mediums around you. When I say positive mediums, I mean people who really believe in what you're trying to do and they will continue to support you, push you when you feel down because yes, the journey can get a little, little lonely. So having the right kind of people around you who will keep pushing you is really important. So, and third, yeah, and the most important thing, just believe in what you're trying to do. I think um, every person can make a career out of whatever they want to do um, as mm-hmm. long as they really believe that that's what they want to do. So uh, there is no way that 20 years back, our parents would have thought would have thought that, you know, wedding photography is something that people would be taking yes. up as a career or films, making films would be a career or even... Uh, making TikTok videos would be a career, right? But today people have been doing that. So uh, I think if you really enjoy something, if you really love doing something, you just put your mind and heart into it and things will fall in place. Great, great. So coming to the point uh, about which the entire podcast revolves, it's called settling and we are unsettled. So I want to know what is your definition of settled? Death. Okay. I think that the was day, a short and sweet answer. Yeah, the day <laughs> we are done, the day we die, I think is when we will be settled. Otherwise, we should be unsettled. We should keep learning. We should keep finding new things. Get curious about 
new ideas, new things that's happening around us and just are, should be ready to jump into them without the fear of not able to swim through. So yes, stay unsettled. Yes, that is my message as well. So thank you. Thank you, Piyush, for being on this podcast, for giving insight into your life and what all things you're doing. I'm hoping that people will listen to this, gain some kind of inspiration and just start following their passion. Yes. And uh, whoever's listening, do listen to the podcast, Kahani Jani and Jani, and let me know what they think of it. That is true. And please go watch the Hato perform. At least for <laughs> me, please. We are making too many requests <laughs> to the listeners. I think they'll stop listening to us now. <laughs> Thank you, Amrita. No, this was lovely. I, I am going to promote Tahato no matter what. I'm actually genuinely promoting it, not because uh, Piyush is my friend or, I mean, I have worked closely with this group. But honestly, I have seen them perform and there is this beautiful quality to it. You feel, you feel surreal when you are in that audience. You feel a, like you're a part of the play. And if you are not watching it, uh, then you're missing out on something great. So just just take my word for it. Go watch it once. And then you can come back to me and give me a lot of galis if you don't like it. But I'm damn <laughs> sure you will. <laughs> lovely. This was really lovely, Amrita. Thank you so much for having me on. And Thank you. Thank you, Piyush. That's great. Yeah. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, keep listening to my podcast, Unsettling, and his podcast, Kahani Jani Anjani. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Unsettling. If you have any feedback, please write it in the comments or send me a mail on podcast.unsettling.as at gmail.com or send me a DM on my Instagram page. I'm sharing all the links in the description below. I hope you had fun. Stay tuned. More stories are yet to come.